Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Welcome to another edition of Stand Up For The Truth. Hope you had an awesome weekend. We're excited to talk about a very important subject today, digital ID, a digital identity for every citizen on the globe. Well, that would include America, right? That's the agenda going on, ID 2020. We'll talk about that in a minute. Also, in Wisconsin and Midwestern states, actually a lot of states across the country, a lot of uh, protests going on at state capitals. We'll talk about the reaction to governor's overreach. So much to discuss. We'll get right to it in a minute. Father in heaven, thank you for giving us another day. Thank you for giving us always purpose and meaning as believers in Christ. We know what we are called to do, Lord. Give us the strength and the wisdom to do it. We ask that you'd continue to guide us into all truth. Uh, We pray, Lord, that we would uh, increase in discernment and that we would do your will, no matter how hard it might be, Lord. And part of that starts with just sharing the good news of the truth of Jesus Christ. And these are opportunities that have been, uh, we've never seen these in our lifetime, where people are fearful, they are um, struggling with doubt, despair, hopelessness, and we can point them to the one true hope and peace and uh, help us do that, Lord, every day. Uh, we love you. Thank you for keeping us healthy and safe. We pray for those in the healthcare industry and nurses, doctors, emergency workers, uh, and truckers, all the people, even people that are working at grocery stores, protect them from getting any kind of virus and, and strengthen and increase the immune systems of people, particularly the elderly and those who are feeling uh, lonely at this time. That's, there's so much of that going around. And um, isolation is not what you created us for, but for fellowship. So help us to keep all these things in perspective. And as the body of Christ, Lord, uh, show us how to proceed and respond in faith, not in fear. In Jesus' name, amen. Our guest today, Mary Danielson. We're uh, so blessed to have her back. Uh, Mary, there's so much more. We've got notes, and I see your folder there. You've got probably about uh, three days of material we're going to cover in 50 minutes. (laughs) Yep, that's about it. (laughs) Well, thank you for coming in. Let's start in Wisconsin, and because uh, that's where we're based out of. We see there's a massive protest and a rally scheduled for—there are, there are already a couple of them. Uh, one down in Brookfield Saturday, I saw thousands of people lined up waving the American flags. They just want to get back to work. And there's a protest Friday, April 24th at 1 p.m. at the state capitol, the Wisconsin state capitol in Madison. Um, government— Overreach. Some governors are really taking it a step too far, Mary. Just love for you to share your thoughts. This is not necessarily a Christian um, problem, but since we are citizens of this state and this country, um, it affects us all. It does affect us all. And, you know, uh, out of the gate, we want to say the virus is real. Uh, it's just that reactions to it vary greatly, uh, and they're not all based on truth or data. And uh, people are suffering in different ways. Mm. And it's very difficult to see um, our fellow Wisconsinites lose their livelihood. There's an estimate that 50% of restaurants will never reopen if this goes till May. If? It may what? 
May 26th, if oh, it goes wow. till it, okay. the extension. And there's a, there's a letter here that, that really caught my eye by Van Wangard, and he uh, he is uh, a Wisconsin state senator serving Racine and Kenosha counties, which would be District 21. And it's a very gracious letter, and it's long, so I'm just going to touch on a couple of points. But his whole idea is to say, look, we, we would like the evidence and the data for extending this, um, you know, deadline for Wisconsinites to get on with their lives. And uh, a couple of the questions he has, you know, he talks about uh, why can't we just take two weeks at a time? Why why was this right. so, you know, adamantly it has to be a month from now? And he says uh, it's a very gracious letter. Uh, he just has some questions, and he wants he's asking them in good faith. He wants responses in good faith. And he says, uh, what, number five, he's got 22 points here. He says, number five, you have extended Safer at Home until May 26th. What evidence do you have that a nine-week quarantine order will decrease the infection and death rate? Then he says, you also uh, extended it only three weeks into the initial period. So the initial period wasn't even concluded before the extension. Hmm. So how did you conclude from incomplete data that it must be more than doubled? And then he says, how many elective surgeries have been postponed or delayed during this emergency? How many deaths have occurred because people are ignoring other issues, health issues that they have? He's saying, please, just show your work. Then he says, uh, the evidence provided, number 12, by your department finds that 84% of the cases in Wisconsin and 85% of the deaths come from only nine of Wisconsin's 72 counties. Um, they're, they're almost all in the southeast area. What is the rationale for keeping the remaining 63 counties and 4 million people uh, you know, out of work and at home? Uh, he says humankind has never cured a virus, so what faith should we have? That's, right there, that's an interesting point because yeah. we're talking about you know, cures, vaccines, all these other things. That's not to cure the uh, or eliminate. No. Like the flu. There's a vaccine for the flu, yeah. isn't there? Yeah, we still have the flu. People every year. I mean, if you right. look at it this way, and by the way, I looked uh, 220 deaths due to or attributed to COVID-19 in Wisconsin. Attributed to. That's attributed really important. Attributed to COVID-19. How, what's our population? 5.8 5 million. million people and 220 deaths. Let's keep this in perspective. Go ahead, Mary. Yeah. Are there well, any other points in that? Well, not really so much. Well, he says, what is your plan for reopening the economy? There is no plan. And this is what makes people very nervous. They don't know when the rug's going to be pulled out from under them from day to day. There are no solid decisions. So he says, finally, what's your plan? Uh, he says, I've asked these direct because people of Wisconsin deserve direct answers. So please answer directly. It's an excellent letter. Excellent. Thank you. And there are some state senators and uh, congressmen speaking out. I believe I heard there will be a lawsuit or plural yes. lawsuits filed. Um, and again, this is not a political issue. Our, our friends and our people in the state or in your state, wherever you are, they're suffering. Every state across the country, you've got people with small businesses. Mm -hmm. And I would imagine there are some Democrats that have small businesses, too. Mm -hmm. So they can't possibly be thrilled with this idea of stretching out these sh you know, shutdown orders. Every state around us, which has more deaths, and especially Michigan, I think it's over 2,000, every state around us is so-called getting back to business or at least implementing that before way before Wisconsin. Some of them are April 30, some of them are May 1st, some of them are May 15. We're the absolute latest. This is something that we talked about this on Friday. I don't have any answers. I don't know why. 
uh, you want to give people the benefit of the doubt thinking they know something. But when every governor and every state around you is starting to implement things, or not every state, but most of the states, you've got to question what's the agenda what what is Tony Evers' right. agenda here? Right. So, and what about the churches? This is on everybody's mind, and and the, the debate is: should we just should we just open up? And and they're saying these are suggestions; they're not the law. Well, if you if you go against the suggestions, you get fined at least. Fined they and actually some of the fine print says jail possible jail time. That makes it the law, and that's a very scary line to cross. Yep, and then it comes down to it's so sad that it's come to this and. It's how divided we are. But there's a federal judge, for example, in uh, Kansas that doubts the governor's orders limiting religious gatherings, and he blocked it. Uh, He blocked the judge's orders. So it's in Topeka, uh, Kansas uh, Governor Laura Kelly's order limiting in-person attendance in church services or activities to 10 people. And that's, I believe, what we have here in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. Um, You cannot have 10 or more or more than 10. He said it's likely unconstitutional. So this judge is blocking that in at least one. I'm sure there are more in different states, but at least in, in this case, this is over at Christian News. Um, so, and they're going to see they're going to see what's going to happen until May second if he has to, you know, take the next step. Now let's talk about overreach, not just overreach, but um, enforcement. And some are really taking it a little bit too far. And, and how can you not look at De Blasio in New York? He's encouraging New Yorkers to snap photos of people not social distancing, and to text authorities. And he said, quote, enforcement will come right away. So de Blasio is saying when you see a crowd, when you see a line that's not distanced, when you see a supermarket that's too crowded, anything, report it right away so we can get help there to fix the problem. And now it's as simple as taking a photo. All you've got to do is take the photo, put the location with it, and bang, send a photo like this, and we'll make sure enforcement comes right away. That's interesting because we're going to be talking about a little bit about this, how mm-hmm. it with the digital age now <laughs> yep. and the Internet, take a photo so you've got proof and you've got the location mm-hmm. and authorities can come right away. This is fascinating. I don't think that's used. I don't think most citizens would say, wait a minute, that, what about our freedoms here? Right, right. It, it's amazing how people will take a certain event and all of a sudden their entire worldview and their entire way of living brings out the strangest things in people. One uh, organization, I don't know what article this was, uh, one government entity is saying, if you even if you get together as a church and live stream, we don't want any singing because now you're breathing on other people singing and no harmonicas or any instrument that blows air. Off. I mean, I people that. are making up the bizarrest things and that that's proof that there's a whole lot wrong with a whole lot of this. There, we uh, Before we got on the air, Marin, I know I don't want to belabor this to too much because we talked about China and we talked about their motive, possible motive. And I don't think, I think most reasonable people would say, I can see how they would want to take down America's economy and just use the world and the deaths from coronavirus as casualties. We understand that it's evil, it's wicked, but they've been successful if that was their agenda. And now there's more people, now I'm not saying the deep state or people here in our country wanted this to happen, but they never let a serious crisis go to waste. Right. They're saying, hey, if this can take down Trump. And here's the sad thing that some people would actually say, well, this is probably uh, it, it's bad, but we need Joe Biden as president. And so if that's going to shame on us as Americans 
fair-thinking, fair-minded, reasonable Americans, if we're going to say, hmm, let's vote for someone else because this is Trump's fault. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I know it's, I don't want to, you know, get in the muck and mire of, of the political debate here, but it's just sad that some would take it that far. Well, and I believe, you know, that um, this has been going around a while. It will come back again. The first person who sneezes in November, I mean, are we all going to go home again, pull the covers <laughs> over our heads? You know, how no one has thought of any end game. Like I said, they're making it up as they go. But I feel that Americans are waking up to the idea that maybe we're pawns in a very, very, very big game mm. that's way above all our pay grades. But the thing that makes me the most upset again, you know, my husband owns a small business, uh, you know, so this applies to us, but that American citizens would be just so much collateral in this big game. It, mm. it just boggles my mind. Well, communist regimes are notorious for using their own citizens as collateral damage. Well, true. Right through Very the true. centuries. Um, back to the, the protests going on against stay-at-home orders or the shutdowns. They've erupted across the country from California to Michigan to New Jersey. Tens of thousands of people in different states. Um, there's an article up at The Blaze. Um, there's so many more. Uh, California, Indiana, Colorado, Kentucky, Maryland. There's one in uh, Brookfield, Wisconsin, Michigan, Minnesota, New Hampshire, New Jersey, North Carolina. I'm just going on down the list. Ohio, people, Texas, and it keeps going. Utah, people that have been out. This is amazing, Mayor. I'm, I'm thinking this is a good thing because citizens have to unite here and show that th there's something not right about this. <clears throat> the numbers don't add up. And we know the models have been wrong, yeah. so dreadfully wrong, mm -hmm. these uh, models about who's going to get infected with the coronavirus, how many deaths might there be, the predictions and models. So we've they've almost had to start over. Um, so... Just keep praying about this, friends, because not about politics, but the protection of, first of all, the church, that we would get back to worshiping, mm -hmm. fellowship in person. Mm -hmm. um, there's a debate from church to church, I yeah. think. And there's a lot of what-ifs going on. And I think at the mm -hmm. heart of this is what if. What if I get sick? What if the world opens back up again and I get sick? And, and you know, this will be the fault of the people who went to work. I mean, there's no end of blaming nope. and, and attacking one another and— uh, on so many levels, this is, I mean, last time I was here in February, life was normal. And now I hear, here I yeah. am in April, and it's an entirely different Isn't world. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Yeah, it has changed that quickly. All right. Just one more point about the media, who, I, I, it's, it's sad to say they have almost become America's enemies. The Democrats and the left think the media is on their side. Well, they are. But if they are being used to call evil good and to just do what they're doing to take down a president for what, whatever reason. They don't need an excuse. This is this is a problem now, this division in America. They're actually criticizing people that are going to these rallies and just they want freedom. They want their businesses. They don't want to be shut in. Um, and now, I understand New York and New Jersey. I understand different parts of the country. We Again, we talked about this Friday. But you don't have to shut down the whole country. They're calling these people Nazis, just like they did the Tea Party protest 10 years ago. Right. Nazis, these people, the Confederate death, call, all these people. Oh, my goodness. Just first having a sign. Stop quarantine. Get back to work. God bless America. And the MSNBC and CNN calls them radicals, Nazis. Um, anyway. Well, who thought we'd see the day when it <clears throat> took so much courage just to get up and go to work in the morning? It takes courage to bust through all this. Yes. And do what you know you need to do. So, Mayor, worldviews are colliding. <laughs> 
Um, before we get to the ID 2020 and all the, the, the digital identity for every citizen on the globe, there is an important conference coming up next weekend. Yes. It's called Occupying Till I Come. Right. And tell us about the conference happening. Is it next Saturday? It's th- it actually starts Thursday at 1 o'clock. Thursday. Yes, wow. we'll be live streaming only. Of course, we always do these in person. Normally, I'm you know, busier than you can possibly imagine on a week like this. Yes. I am not. So <laughs> um, uh, the planning is completely come to a grinding halt in some ways, but we're going to live stream. We also have Facebook streaming. Uh, it starts at 1 o'clock on Thursday, and then it will go um, the rest of Thursday afternoon, an evening session all day Friday, starting at 9, evening session, and then Saturday until noon. We're going to put the schedule online, and it includes uh, speakers like uh, David Hawking, T.A. McMahon of the Brian Call, uh, Pastor and Apologist uh, Terry Reynolds, Pastor Joe Guglielmo from Calvary Chapel, Manitowoc, Jim Fletcher, he's an apologist and author, Chris Quintana, which listeners are familiar mm-hmm. with, um, Patrick Wood, Technocracy, yep. Curtis Bowers, uh, producer of the film Agenda. So we get an update from Curtis. Gary Ka, um, author and apologist. Jay Siegert, creationist from Wisconsin, and Pastor John Higgins from Calvary Chapel in the Mesa, Arizona area. Wow. Uh, so, you that's know, quite that's quite the lineup because we can. And um, <laughs> sessions will also be posted on demand on our website and app if you're not around this weekend or if you want to just sit down and go over them slowly. Um, we'll have media sets after the event, so we're excited about that. The website? Uh, ccappleton.org. And there's a link right on the homepage, I'm guessing? Yes, there's a link can... on the homepage. It'll okay. be easy to find the streaming and, again, the fa- our Facebook page. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's starting this Thursday. Thursday, yep. Awesome. Um, let's see. Let's go right into this, Mayor. We only have three minutes, so let's, we can only do an introduction before we get into everything. But okay. I'll let you just uh, describe what, what we need to dive into today for well, the rest of the hour. Well, we just talked about worldviews from the, on this side of heaven. Um, and there are a couple of options. You know, people are born free and sovereign, and they surrender certain freedoms to a limited government hmm. for mutual benefit. Willingly. But then, yes. And there's, then there's sovereign government. That's option two, sovereign government. And in this uh, option, the government collects taxes, distributes benefits. They control people, and they convince their subjects that big government is their one one true hope. Well, we're accustomed to option one, right? We're sovereign. We are born sovereign. But the Bible predicts for the latter days option two, in which the sovereign nation state gives way to a global government. The started nation states began in the Roman Empire. They will come to an end under a revived Roman Empire, which the Bible says will be the most brutal empire ever in history. And Revelation seventeen twelve says that 10 kings will deliver their sovereign authority to the Antichrist freely to be ruled forcibly. So you got to understand there's a, there's, when the changes go on in the world, people freely give up certain things because they're in a panic mode. But the force comes later. So it's a combination of our free will and force of government. It's a very strange thing. But we're going to show you through this um, whole uh, program how that works. And what's fascinating, I just listened to Happening Now with Don Stewart and Jack Hibbs mm-hmm. from, I believe it was Thursday night. Okay. They talked about the European Union and mm-hmm. how there's so many nations and how it's kind of being blown apart. I'm seeing, as you are, a lot of different articles saying, is this dismantling? Is these, mm-hmm. are, these are problems here. But there needs to be 10, right? right. If you, what you just read from uh, Revelation 17, verse 12, the 10 horns, you, which you saw, are 10 kings— who have not yet received a kingdom, but they receive authority as kings with the beast for one hour. These have one purpose, mm-hmm. and they give their power and authority to the 
beast. Yes, and there are actually two different thoughts on that. It'll be either 10 nation confederacies around the world that the Club of Rome came up with. They've actually come up with a map in 1970, 10 different areas, and we have 10 different trade zones in the world. Or it will be Europe, which is flying apart fast, but it's going to come back together differently. Very interesting. When we come back on Stand Up For The Truth with Mary Danielson, we're going to talk about ID2020, talking about this push toward globalism. Yes, we'll get to Bill Gates and vaccines and all this good stuff, the Rockefeller Foundation, and um, we will talk about the Mark of the Beast more when we come back. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. We're here with Mary Danielson. Let's dive right in, Mary. Do you want to quote it or do you want me to? Uh, The verse that that I woke up with this morning in my mind, and I think it's such a great leveler. Mm -hmm. 1 John 5, 19. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one. The whole world the whole lies world. in the power yes. of the wicked one. You know, it doesn't require a, a 24-hour news channel to explain <laughs> that, yeah. but it does explain an awful lot of what's on the 24-hour news channels. So that is a, a great verse to keep in mind this morning as we're talking about this. And we um, are part of this world, and we in America, who we take our Constitution for granted, our religious freedoms, our freedoms, period. We take them for granted so often, and now we're starting to see it took a pandemic like this, in my opinion, to be blown out of proportion, but it took a health threat to kind of, for more people to kind of want to unite the world to work to this solution. Go ahead and and take us wherever you want, Mayor. Well, um, personal identification is a fascinating subject because we are the only generation in history who can actually say that something that you'd see in in Book of Revelation, such as Revelation Mm. 13, could actually be implemented at any time. Um, Now, we have used, obviously, currency. The whole world has used currency in one form or another to conduct uh, transactions. You know, cash was king. It was backed by precious metals. It was anonymous. Then we had checks and money orders which had a little bit of info about ourselves embedded in them. Well, today, now, this is different. We have credit cards, debit cards, magnetic stripes, RFID chips, digital cyber currencies, instant transfer. And now a little more of ourselves has to be given and attached to these transactions. Um, uh, So with the constant digital transactions going on, um, with an intermediary with such as the Internet, uh, we have to add to that to make sure it's legitimate. Um, and personal ID is a very fascinating rabbit trail. Mm. Um, who we are, what we represent, our personal identity is very important. How many times a day do you self-identify? Your phone doesn't even remember you from day to day. <laughs> you have to wake up and, and say, this is me. This is me, and I have a right to, to you know, to, um, to be, say that this represents me. Uh, we had a parrot up in the office for a season. His name was George. And early on, I taught him to say, how are you? How are you? But instead, it always came out, who are you? <laughs> so people coming up to the office always had to, you know, give their personal credentials. Um, who he, are you? Papers, yeah, please. Yeah, he was a bit of a dictator, George was, you know. Um, he never barked much, but he sure did bite. But anyway, um, so there is an awful lot going on from smartphones can we just start with Bill Gates? I think that would make sure, a good way sure, to start yep. because he's been in the news lately. He's been in the news, and it it actually there's more to this than people might realize. Um, vaccine rumors, okay, with this pandemic, people are speculating about uh, mandatory vaccines and tracking chips included in the vaccine, alluding to the mark of the beast. Now, the rumor mill on this 
is working overtime. Many, many articles. I saw a huge sign at a rally yesterday in Texas, and it said that this vaccine is the mark. Um, now, there could easily be personal medical and vaccine info included in any future vaccine technology. That is not a stretch. Um, there could be a digital ID involved, but people are running way ahead of this by claiming that uh, everyone will get the mandatory mark of the beast that way. And that is sensational because, first of all, the mark of the beast requires the beast. It is the number of his name, mm -hmm. and we don't know that name. This is Revelation thirteen seventeen. Secondly, it won't be mandatory until halfway true through the tribulation period, which is a seven-year period that we are not in. Uh, also, the vaccine doesn't fit any biblical parameters because it's not a digital wallet. And what I mean by that, you cannot buy or sell via this vaccine. That's a very specialized tech that we're also going to update you on this morning. And thirdly, um, a vaccine is not an eternal choice uh, that the mark is. Uh, this allegiance to the Antichrist, which seals a soul uh, for eternity, is part of the mark. Um, so there are people that maybe don't know a lot about prophecy or they know just enough to be dangerous. Yes, yes. Uh, they're spreading unbiblical information and telling people essentially that you could go to hell for taking this vaccine. That's very irresponsible. And we would have people do their homework before they would say things like that. Plus, you don't really get a vaccine on your right hand or in, on your forehead. Right. That's not where the vaccine Right. I'm amazed goes. at how people have run with this. I'm really yeah. amazed. But Revelation um, 13, mm -hmm. 16, and 17, if you want yeah. that reference. Yeah. Um, Bill Gates is quoted as saying, this was at a TED Talk, eventually we will have some digital certificates to show who has recovered or has been tested recently, or when we have a vaccine, who has received it, who has received the vaccine. Now, the goal was a common vaccination card or passport compatible with electronic immunization systems for EU, European, European Union citizens, uh, to 2022. So fascinating. Yeah. They've been mm -hmm. talking about this. They have the solutions. And again, uh, to another point that we were talking about nationalism versus globalism earlier, mm -hmm. there's a quote by who, Seth Barkley, um, he said, at a time of increasing nationalism and a rejection of globalism, infectious disease is a reminder that we are interconnected and we all have a stake in global health security. Now let's just kumbaya the moment, huh? <laughs> well, the other thing that Bill is working on, uh, hardest actually, is getting a smartphone. Uh, we all have them, so we don't think too much about this, but this is kind of important getting a smartphone in the hands of every person on earth and helping to facilitate every aspect of big, big brotherism because it really can track and monitor our every move and we can do every kind of commerce with it. So our lives right now are on our phones. Now, uh, Bill Gates has uh, an organization called GSMA Tech Lab. This is Bill and Melinda Gates. Uh, and it's, that is an organization for mobile phone providers. They want mobile phones in everyone's hand around the world um, because right now, more people have mobile phones than a national ID card, say Syrian refugees. They don't have anything. Right. A lot of them have phones. Children in Haiti have phones. Huh. Back in 2009, mobile phone subscriptions were 40% of the population, and only 10 years later, they're 67% of the population. Um, and so they're looking for full coverage, whether it's just a SIM card in another country. Because in America, we have these two-year contracts. In the rest of the country, they have SIM cards. And they've passed laws that you can't be anonymous with your SIM card. We have to know who you are. Mm. Um, so phones are providing a first line of ID and tracking in a lot of nations. Um, 
it's just that is very much interesting, you know. And like I said earlier, I think I said my phone doesn't even remember me in the morning. <laughs> I have to say yes, this is me. <laughs> you, well, you have to you fingerprint, know, facial recognition. Right, Come on, phones, out. you know, wake up. When when will our device know who we are twenty four seven? That's a good question. That's coming, isn't it? I mean, there's a yeah. lot of technology that's that we are probably not even finding out about yet. But what they do, what they have been working on, digital technologies, cloud computing, biometrics, mobile networks and devices, smart cards, they can increase security, accuracy, and convenience of identifying and authenticating individuals. You mentioned refugees. Mm -hmm. I really didn't think about that when we heard about the refugee crisis, I guess, in the last decade, more in the last several years, when there's been some encouragement during the Trump administration for you know, th tens of thousands of refugees to head for American borders, but most of them don't have IDs. They do not. They do not. And they want to incorporate them into the system of each country because at some point it'll be no such thing as an illegal immigrant. Everybody will just be a global citizen. You know, but ID2020 actually did come around via the UN and a gentleman um, named John Edge. I don't really know who that is. He's a, a financial, a pioneer in financial technology. Uh, they decided that every human, uh, whether they're Syrian refugees or the, the Islam refugees over there uh, or refugees in this country, that they should have a digital ID uh, within the next few years. Uh, the board of ID 2020 does include members of the Global Alliance for Vaccines. So there's truly a link there. Every pandemic <laughs> is an opportunity. Even if it's a manufactured one, it's still an opportunity. So the refugee crisis has been a bit of the catalyst. But think about this, and some of you know this and some of you don't. When Ellis Island became overrun with immigrants 125 years ago, our government held a contest to see who could come up with a way to allow the 1890 census to include all our new citizens for ID purposes and tax and infrastructure purposes. And the gentleman who won um, was the inventor of the punch card which led to the IBM computer, and IBM rounded up all the Jews in Europe. So this wow. kind of insidious thing has been with us a very long yeah. time, wanting to count people and track them and yeah. put them in their place. Well, we've had census takers for I don't know how long. I've got that thing, that form. I don't know when I received it. I don't know when the deadline on that is, by the way. I've, it's been sitting at home. Uh-oh. You're <laughs> late. You're too late. Too late. Is it too late? Yeah. Oh, that was two weeks ago. I'm well, reporting you, David. That's how much I pay attention to the I'm census. I'm reporting uh -oh. you. So now they're going to assume nobody lives there. They're going to come and anyway. <laughs> I'm embarrassed now. Um, okay. Um, I've heard a lot of names, Mayor, a lot, a lot of things. Uh, but one thing that I've read about a little bit recently since um, this is go back before 2015, the 2030 Sustainable Development Goals. This is a whole other agenda, but... Mm -hmm. Whenever you, when I hear, that's a trigger to me of concern when I hear sustainable development, because that's the UN, that's, it, it goes, all, environmentalism comes into play there, um, earth and everything else before, pop, before people, so that means population control comes mm -hmm. into play there, there's so much, and then it comes to, anyway, there's a lot of our rights that will be infringed upon should these continue to, these, these goals be continue to be reached by the UN and United Nations, man. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. We are yeah. spending so, we are sending so much money, American taxpayer money to the United Nations. And it's just it's been to me, it's, it's such a corrupt thing. And mm -hmm. thank God President Trump had the guts to say, you know what, we're going to stop funding for the World Health Organization. For, I mean, we were, I guess they were receiving more, over 400, 400 million dollars a year mm -hmm. from us. 
It's wow. like sending it to the United Nations. That's just one part of the United Nations, the, right. the WHO. And since Trump made his decision to defund them, uh, I noticed on, on your TV screen on Amazon Prime, they had an event this weekend, One World Together at Home, brought to you by Global Citizen and the WHO. And because Trump did what he did, now you've got all these people going, oh, we're going to get around that. They raised $50 million this weekend at this One World Together at Home event oh, uh, for goodness. World Health Organization. I saw that, and I didn't. we didn't watch that because we knew what no. it was about. Yeah, it's horrible. And I wish we would have known about that sooner to put the a warning out to people because I'm sure people love their celebrities, mm-hmm. right? All these elites and celebrities and, and world figures were here on this program. What was it called again? One World Unite? One World Together at Home. One World Together at Home. The Global Citizen. It was on, I've got uh, DirecTV, it was on at least a dozen different channels. Some of the main networks, mm-hmm. some of the cable channels. I'm going, why is this on so many channels? Yeah. Then I've, it, I, it just clicked. That's what this is about. Yeah, absolutely is about. And um, one thing about Bill Gates that may not be known either is his father was chairman of the National Planned Parenthood Association. So he grew up in that environment. uh, And how can he not be who he is today? But the mission statement, I just want to mention the mission statement of ID2020. This is on their homepage, ID2020.org. Accelerating technology to assure that every person on the planet can access a unique digital identity as part of their basic human rights. Now it's a human right. Um, The digital ID has four things. It's personal, unique to you and you only. It's persistent, lives with you from birth to death. It's private, only you can give permission to use the data. And four, it's portable, accessible anywhere you happen to be. Hmm. It's all about you. You are giving up and dissolving your own sovereignty, abandoning yourself to the system for the good of all, based on a birthright, basic human rights, Hmm. freely and forcibly. So, you know, without it says, you know, without this ID, the global citizen will not have access to health care, groceries, government benefits, education, housing, employment. Um, there's your buying and selling of just plain groceries wow. uh, in this upcoming world. And they plan to have this in place by um, later in this decade. So it's coming. Okay, Mayor, we've talked about this push for a cashless society mm-hmm. um, many, many times before, but this is... Very interesting with a new virus and the unknowns about the virus and all that put a little bit of fear into people. Thanks to the fear mongering media. They helped a lot. But um, it's, I guess, paper currency. I I would think coins would be more, um, I I guess, contagious, not contagious, but the virus would be on the coins more than on the paper. They're more, they're more concerned about dollar bills. Right. So they're going, you better use your debit card. And I'm thinking, well, can't yeah. the virus be on the debit card too? And so I guess the only solution would be a chip, right? <laughs> yeah, and the touchpads, the touchpads in the stores. I mean, yeah, I don't. I don't well, the last that. couple of places I've gone to, including uh, drive through windows like at Chick-fil-A, I just... They, they held out the card machine. You just put your card in there. So you're the only one touching your card, your debit card or credit card. So it make, that makes sense. But this whole thing is interesting. I can understand how they're trying to use this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Hey, we got to go cashless. Yep. Well, cryptocurrencies, you know, and I think we've talked about this in the past, like Bitcoin. Um, the th- interesting thing about those is uh, they're accounted for. I mean, if you have a, a world full of transactions with Bitcoin, they're not going to go anonymous. How are they going to fix that? Well, there's a global ledger called the blockchain, and it it records every single instance of buying and selling that uses digital currencies in real time. There's no wait time to clear the bank. I call it the ledger of everything, and it forms this seamless global network in which every transaction, person, event, 
item uh, exchange on Earth can be registered uh, without error around the clock. And so now they have RFID chips in every single manufactured product on Earth. Uh, the Internet of Things, it's called. That's a whole other issue. But everything going on the planet can conceivably be known at all times. And it's phenomenal technology, wow. whether we can wrap our heads around it or not. But um, it's it's unhackable. Uh, it's there. It's working. Um, it could be the future of buying and selling. It cannot be shut down. Mm. Uh, it will have an unfathomable amount of info on in you know involved for a global authority, and the potential for tyranny is off the charts. Yes. Oh my goodness. Um, they're talking about things such as smart tattoos, digital tattoos, and they're selling it like this. They not only look cool, but they can perform useful tasks like unlocking your car, entering uh, mobile phone codes with a finger point, mm-hmm. or tracking body processes. And in this article, thousands of Swedish people are swapping ID cards for microchips. And here's the selling point. Who wants to carry a clumsy smartphone or smartwatch? That you can lose. When you can have it in your fingernail. Here's another way of doing it. I think that's the direction of where this is heading, this guy is saying. And uh, Biohacks International, this is a Swedish company, they have uh, RFID implants in humans. They've been doing this since 2014. And a Danish company, Bichip, they've developed a chip that can be connected to the internet and has a unique ID for general identification. It can also be used as a payment system Mm -hmm. and uh, interchangeable with cryptocurrency wallets. And it says Bichip is the first and only distance-readable human microchip with internet connectivity. That's very interesting to me, connecting to the internet in in all these chips. That's fascinating, but... I guess we knew this was coming, right? There's a company called Somark huh, that has uh, the, the little um, tattoo ink on, on the hand or forehead, depending on your, your studies in Revelation. <laughs> I do believe it's on, not in. Um, I've looked at it many different angles, but that's a freebie the this Greek, morning. The Greek word on or in. That's a freebie <laughs> this morning, but it can be um, uh, invisible ink for, for, for the more vain well, kind of like us. when you used to, when we were in the 80s, we used to go to nightclubs, right? And, and they would stamp your hand. You didn't see it, but then you'd r- wave it in front of this, what, what do they call the infrared or whatever, a scanner, yeah. a scanner. And they go, oh, my goodness, the, the mark is there. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So this was decades ago. Anyway, we've got to take a break. We've got so much more to cover when we come back. We haven't mentioned the Rockefeller Foundation much. Maybe we can talk about tech giants and the World Bank, and a whole lot more with Mary Danielson on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Our guest is Mary Danielson, and we were talking about ID2020, vaccines, the coronavirus, and all things in, in this conversation, the mark of the beast, chips, and buying and selling. Um, GAVI. Um, well, let me go back a little bit. <laughs> um, a couple of years ago, I guess they had another one of those global meetings about the ID2020 alliance. And this w- was with major funding from the Rockefeller Foundation and the digital technology that, that's uh, this, this firm, Accenture. Other founding partners were Gavi, G-A-V-I, the Vaccine Alliance, Microsoft, IDEO, and partners like the Rockefeller Foundation, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, 
the Bezos Bezos. I think he owns Amazon, yep. right? The mm-hmm. Bezos Family Foundation. Right. Uh, participants included Intel, IBM, Verizon, Samsung, NEC. The alliance featured a very tight connection between big tech companies, foundations, and vaccine and health interests. This is all working together here. And so this by 2030, which is 10 years from now, the alliance aims to have facilitated the scaling of a safe, verifiable, persistent digital identity system mm-hmm. consistent with sustainable development goal 16.9. So it all comes back to this, doesn't it? Yeah. It's, it's just fascinating. And there, there's more. I don't want to be tedious with some of these facts, but it's interesting. Some of these major corporations, major names and foundations are working together on this. This global alliance, Mayor. The Rockefellers, I mean, it goes back to the Margaret Sanger days right. 100 years ago in America. They've been behind population control and eugenics. And now it's interesting. Why would they be interested in vaccines? Yeah. Eugenics was huge in the 20s and 30s. Mm-hmm. In fact, if you look up the history of that, um, there were many, many celebrities and well-known politicians who really were pro-eugenics. And it's funny because that was the atmosphere that Hitler came out of. Yep. And I, I think that if people see Hitler in context, it's not just something that happened out of the blue, although God's hand was, was in you know, Israel returning to the land, which is the, you know, the, the timekeeper for prophecy and all of that. But I've read many interesting things about um, how, how the time was ripe for a Hitler plus mm-hmm. the spiritual aspect of Satan hating the Jews themselves. If you've studied that like you have and, and I have, there's some fascinating history in America, not Europe, but in America, on eugenics, on sterilization, how they use the homeless, they use the prison population, uh, mental institutions, they've used people, mm-hmm. and Sanger was a part of that eugenics movement. But once the American birth control, she coined the term birth control, once the birth control league was going, they— separated, that's never been done before, but at that time they separated eugenics from birth control when before Planned Parenthood, Federation of America, it was one and the same. Mm-hmm. And they've conveniently separated that. Back to this article, though, Gavi was founded by Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Rockefeller Foundation, UNICEF, the World Bank, and WHO, WHO, the World Health Organization. When was this? In the year 2000, 20 years ago, 20 years ago, with the mission to vaccinate children in the world's poorest countries. That was their, one of the original goals. It grew out of the Rockefeller-supported Children's Vaccine Initiative. That was founded in 1990. So control of vaccination and infectious diseases was to become one of the pillars to achieve a digital ID regime. Wow, you know, <laughs> you, that, call, you call this a rabbit hole, Mary, and, and it we've is gone a rabbit down hole. it. <laughs> it is a rabbit hole, and the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one. And if that doesn't prove that, I don't know what does. But I've been in these cattle lines for vaccines before. If you're of a certain age with baby boomers, the polio crisis of the '50s, PBS, who I don't, I'm not endorsing because they're very leftist. The progressive broadcasting, yes, the progressive broadcasting system. system. Yeah. But they have a documentary, <laughs> and you can probably find it somewhere online, on the polio. Um, epidemic. And there's also one for the 1918 flu. If you get a chance to watch those, I highly recommend because you will see things that will really 
perk your ears up, especially with polio. Mm. I remember as a kid, the, the sugar cube, we had everyone had to get in line and get that. that little sugar cube to prevent um, polio. Well, where did the polio come from? I got all kinds of questions. <laughs> but, and then again, I was in the cattle line in the 70s when Gerald Ford said everyone had to get a swine flu shot. Um, so, you know, a lot of us have been there before, but what happened when I got that swine flu shot at a local church, I was 19 years old, I got sick as a dog, and my dad did too. I was living at home at the time, and I remember how sick we got from that swine flu shot. Um, and then again, you got to remember Bill Gates' father, head of Planned Parenthood USA. Um, there are so many connections here. There aren't enough hours in the day I know. to connect every single dot. But boy, if you're looking for something to do while you're quarantined, <laughs> get that Bible out and that yes. newspaper and put them yeah. together on your table and study. Well, I think one takeaway from this, remember the, the, the left and the globalists' um, resistance to nationalism, that, that was never an issue in America it was never an issue before Trump became president, right. to my knowledge. Right. What's right. wrong with patriotism? What's wrong right. with nationalism? But now they, they're, they're trying to equate that with Nazism. And they've lost so much ground globally with these last three years with Trump. Now they're trying mm-hmm. to make it up in spades. And, and um, you know, there, people have talked about last fall there was a run-up to, to prepare for a possible pandemic that people organized this sort of thing. And I don't have that in front of me, but I understand that actually happened last November. There's an interesting um, report. Yeah, the Rockefeller Foundation did a report, of course. Scenarios for—this was 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Scenarios for the future of technology and international development. It contained the scenario lockstep. And the scenario describes a world struck by a pandemic leading to mm-hmm. panic, tighter top-down government control, more authoritarian leadership— and technological surveillance measures. Mm-hmm. This was 10 years ago. And this report from the Rockefeller Foundation. Oh. It's fascinating that they're looking to this saying, all right, here, now here we have it. Imagine what, what they thought when this thing broke out of China, the, the Chinese Wuhan right. coronavirus. Right. Um, when it broke, wow, we've got that pandemic we were talking about 10 years ago. Here it is. Here's our opportunity. Well, and the biggest thing, I've, and I've heard, I've heard the government officials, and I've heard Trump talk about this, and he may or may not know exactly what this is, but contact tracing, this is huge. Um, this is fairly creepy, and it could uh, be a, a key component in how society functions from here on out. I think, I think you can't stuff the genie back in the bottle here. Um, we got a new normal coming up. But anyway, <laughs> uh, digital stalking, that's what I call it. Instead of what they've done in the past when there would be a virus like this, they would get people to do this by hand. They would track who got in touch with who and who's in the room with who and who did what with who and whatever. Um, uh, constant tracking of those who have or haven't had it, um, you know, you quarantine some, you free others. How are we going to decide? Well, um, the more smartphones there are, the more you can track if people allow their phone to constantly share their location and who they're with. Apple and Google now, uh, um, which is rare in itself, they, they despise each other. <laughs> they have come up with a way to track people um, with a simple software update. It doesn't even have to be an app that you can choose to have or not have. What if it's a software update? This is very alarming. Um, uh, Korea uses mobile alerts to broadcast info with names and recent locations about anyone nearby with the virus. So what contact tracing is, is everybody who's been near anybody who has anything um, we will know who you are and where you are. Our phones can tell us who we're with um, and where we're congregating. Your phone could actually say, alert, you have recently come in contact with someone who has tested positive for 
blank. Um, Poland has, they send authorities, um, they order a selfie from you from your phone, and if they don't get it within 20 minutes as to where you are, the police will visit you. Um, let's, uh, there's another one here. Uh, Korea uses mobile alerts to broadcast info with names and recent locations of anyone nearby with the virus. Singapore uses Bluetooth to track people with the virus and warn other people. Um, again, there's no putting this toothpaste back in the tube. I don't think our world will ever be the same. No. I'm looking at an article. There's, there's so, so much of this. Um, over at Technocracy News, mm-hmm. and th- I'm, I'm sure uh, Patrick Wood will probably talk about this at uh, the conference this weekend. There, there, so actually, just go to technocracy.news. There's so much. Mm-hmm. Um, UK Climate Group, COVID-19 is a test run for greener lifestyles. And, you know, I've seen this, these funny memes going around social media and Facebook about, you know, it's interesting. We now have socialism and Bernie Sanders drops out. You know, just, just some funny ideas that, wait yeah. a minute, well, the government's yeah. kind of taking more power and control and trying to help people. And by the way, isn't that – I understand maybe some people thought it was a good idea to try to send Americans a check, you know, for $1,200. But if you're one of those Americans that had a business mm-hmm. and $1,200 might have been a couple transactions – in a morning at your business, or you've got a month now or more that you've been out of business, and how much will $1,200 really help? So I n- understand they're trying to help the payroll programs, right. the, the small businesses, but it's it's interesting. The things they're trying to do to help government, I, Reagan, I don't want to mutilate his quote, government is never the solution. Yeah. And this is what we're being sold. That's and right. the media, by their squelching, trying to trying to you know, mock these protests around the country, mm-hmm. citizens, whether it's patriotism, whether it's I just want to get back to work, whether it's we want our freedoms back. Here's the media taking the side of the left and the globalists saying, how dare you? You guys don't know what's good for you. Oh, yeah, the shaming that goes on and, oh, you don't love people and, and my grandma died of this. And it, Okay, look, th- that's not apples and apples here. We're mm. talking about... Um, we're not saying protecting capitalism necessarily. They're protecting people's lifestyles. You know, the hour is late. You know, that's not in my thinking at all. My thinking is we sovereignty versus tyranny, and it's coming. I mean, yep. the Bible says it's coming, so we need to realize that it is coming, and, and we need to stay with a prophetic mindset, not a political one, and yet people are suffering. We don't want people to be suffering and losing their livelihoods. Hopefully, it'll point them to Jesus. Hopefully, it'll ha- cause them to ask questions, yeah. and that information like this will help them with that. So it's very hard to separate yeah. our friends and family. I haven't seen my daughter and grandson in six weeks. Wow. I mean, there, there's just there's just a and lot they live of here pain. locally. Yes, they live they live locally, and we <laughs> wow. have we have not gotten together at all. Hmm. Um, uh, in, a lot of families. Are, I think we will soon, but still, yeah. you know, I re- I yeah. respect their desire to to just stay where they're at and stay healthy and and that's fine with me but that's just one example let's bring this back mayor we only have about a minute and a half two minutes left we and this is for those of us who've been praying for the church to wake up for those of of us who've been praying maybe for revival in america maybe others have been praying for some sort of awakening how's that Mm going to happen but god we need you bring the church back to you bring the country to you and here's COVID-19. Mm-hmm. So this could be one of those answers that God is using mm-hmm. because we've all prayed and we knew America was going the wrong direction morally and in, in so many other ways, spiritually. But here we are. 
and this is a major opportunity. We, we do want to focus on the positives. When would you think the world would tune into through the Internet and hear so many sermons, <laughs> online <laughs> sermons, Bible studies? Yeah. Yeah, they're you breaking know. the internet, by the way. <laughs> yeah, really. But do you notice that, like Sunday mornings, is there a slowdown? Yeah. Uh, oh, absolutely. Inter- yeah, I've noticed that. And so it's fascinating that a lot of the, I know some of it. Some people are just bored. People that are not believers, they just want to be online. But for Christians and and religious people that just want to tune into their church to get what their pastor is saying, this is unprecedented. So I would imagine a lot of people that are not believers are seeing this. But here's the other thing we have to remember. They are also watching you and I as Christians, how we are responding. Are we responding in faith or are we reacting in fear? And I'm seeing these these debates, even on some of these posts about state by state. Mm -hmm. Are you going against the governor? Mm -hmm. People are saying that's political. You're you're stoking the fire. And we're just saying, hey, we just we just appreciate our freedoms and we want them. But God is sovereign over all this. Mary, final thoughts. Yeah, well, we want to evangelize in person when at all possible. In person, yes. That's really <laughs> huge. And and to meet as churches and encourage one another as you see the day approaching. And also obey the authorities over you for your good. This, this is an incredible debate. And, it, yes. and people are struggling with mm-hmm. where to draw lines. Yep. And uh, we need to be in prayer. Yes, thank you, Mary Danielson. We, we have not been told that we cannot speak the name of Jesus and cannot preach in his name as the disciples were when they said in Acts 4 or 5, uh, we must obey God rather than men. But they also said, I believe Acts 4.20, we cannot help but speak about the things we have seen and heard. And they were eyewitnesses to the risen Christ. So we as Christians cannot help but speak. That should be our voice as well. We can't stop speaking the truth. Speak it in love. Be patient when you're having these interactions with people, maybe some younger believers, maybe people who are taking things out of context. Be patient with them. Always speak the truth in love. And uh, God is sovereign over all this. When we come back, we'll talk about the guests the rest of this week. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now, we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. Imagine a city where more than... A hundred churches and thousands of believers pray unceasing 24-7 for their community. Well, that's happening. Revival, spiritual awakening, we mentioned earlier. Um, tomorrow's guest, Pastor Trey Kent, co-author of City of Prayer, Transform Your Community Through Praying Churches. And I think we need to be doing more of that, especially during this time. Uh, Wednesday, we'll get an education uh, <laughs> update, a reminder of the system from Alex Newman, education expert and Pastor Mike Abendroth will be back with us on Thursday, Friday. Former New Ager Stephen Bancars will be here, and he's got a phenomenal new video out. We will probably get that to you uh, before Friday, just so you can see that, on, at least on our Facebook page. But thank you so much for tuning in, as always, for sharing our podcasts on social media. Our page is Shadow Band on Facebook, so we thank you for going to our page, taking that extra step, and then sharing the podcast that's the one of the only ways it's going to get out there. God bless you and keep speaking the truth about things that matter.